My name is Ben Greenfield, and on this episode of the Ben Greenfield Life Podcast. The negative effects of high cholesterol, one of them is atherosclerosis. Atherosclerosis is due to three things. Number one, inflammation, right? Right. Number two is due to damage to your arterial wall, most, mm-hmm. mostly from hypertension, high mm-hmm. blood pressure. And lastly is APOB particles, okay? So mm-hmm. it's only part of the equation. So high cholesterol is not bad for everybody. It's, it is a problem for many people. And that's why heart attacks are the number one cause of death in the United States. Fitness, nutrition, biohacking, longevity, life optimization, spirituality, and a whole lot more. Welcome to the Ben Greenfield Life Show. Are you ready to hack your life? Let's do this. Hey, so I just got back from a trip and I did not feel complete at night because I forgot I left behind, gosh darn it, in my rush to get to the airplane, my little vibrating device that I put on before I go to bed at night. It's not that kind of vibrator. It's a different kind of vibrator. It's called an Apollo and it gently vibrates when you wear it around your wrist, around your ankle and will lull you into a state of deep sleep, low anxiety huge increase in heart rate variability and nervous system recovery. You can use it during the day at different settings for focus and for concentration. They've already done six clinical trials on this with nine more underway and shown that it actually trains your nervous system to rebalance more quickly. They even have a social setting you can wear at night. It's kind of like a, an addition to or alternative to a cocktail. The Apollo wearable works without side effects. It's safe for children both my sons have one. It's safe for adults. I obviously have one. And you can head over to apollonoro.com slash Ben Greenfield. Apollo, A-P-O-L-L-O, neuro, N-E-U-R-O dot com slash Ben Greenfield. And use code BG15 for 15% off. Check it out. Apollo. I know that it's invisible, I know it's spooky, I know it's weird, but quantum energy is a thing. Every unit of matter has quantum energy. Every living being constantly interacts with other quantum energy fields. And these energy fields can get depleted by toxins and EMFs and just general life stress. There is a way to actually upregulate yourself from a quantum standpoint, though. There's a company called Leela Q, L-E-E-L-A-Q. When you see me wearing that weird necklace I'm often wearing on Instagram and in pictures and videos, that's a Leela Q necklace. I've got a Leela Q charger for like charging food and jewelry up in my kitchen. I've got one out in my garage that I use to charge up drinks and things that I take out of the mini fridge in the garage. I've even got their charging block in my car. So Leela Q is very interesting. They've done third-party studies to actually look at neutralization of electromagnetic fields, increased ATP production, better HRV, and improved blood flow. So even though you can't see it and it's invisible, something's happening. I feel fantastic when I use their stuff. And they have done dark field microscopy studies, which you take a drop of blood and use a special lighting technique to look at live cells. And they've shown that the quantum technologies provide significant protective and improvement functions for the blood. So it's very interesting. It's worth trying at least. And you get 10% off of all their stuff. You go to leelaq.com slash Ben and use code Ben10 for 10% off. L-E-E-L-A-Q dot com slash Ben. Use code Ben10 for 10% off. Fun fact, my friend Khalil, who runs all the Sun Life Organics coffee shops, he charges up all their smoothie and all their bowl ingredients with these quantum blocks before he serves them to customers. And uh, it's what I do in my home as well. Water, food, whatever. I'll put them in the block and it charges them up with quantum energy. And I feel better. So there you go. LeelaQ.com slash Ben. Use code Ben10 for 10% off. 
Uh, so there's this stuff, uh, I think it comes out of Russia. They call it in Russia, the conqueror of mountains, destroyer of weaknesses, something like that. It's called shilajit. They, they harvest it from the Himalayas. And it's like this black, tarry, mineral-rich substance. And, of course, as you can imagine, it does not taste that great. I've tried it before from many different sources. And it definitely gives you tons of vigor and strength. And, by the way, it does a bunch of other stuff, too. It's, it's got a ton of antioxidants in it, minerals, beneficial uh, support for your bacteria, supports detoxification because it can bind to toxins and heavy metals. But like a lot of these superfoods, it just doesn't taste fantastic. Enter Organifi. They just came out with the vanilla cinnamon shilajit gummy. I have no clue how they did this, but it tastes stellar. Supports healthy testosterone levels, supports bone and muscle health, aids cellular energy and mitochondrial health, decreases fatigue. And of course, you can tell your friends that you now have a bag full of conquer of mountains, destroyer of weaknesses, handy. That tastes really good. So vanilla cinnamon flavored Shilajit, who knew? And Organifi has cracked the code on making this stuff taste really good. Organifi.com for 20% off these new Shilajit gummies. Organifi with an I.com slash Ben for 20% off anything from Organifi, including those fantastic gummies. Well, folks, if you are watching the video version of this show, then you'll notice that me and my fine friend here, Dr. Darshan Shaw, has been on my podcast multiple times. Are sitting down here at Next Health. We look like bionic men. Do you feel like a cyborg right now? I definitely feel like we've yeah. been taken over by the I'm cyborg. I'm cyborgish. <laughs> I've got like a blood pressure cuff, a heating pad, a tube of blood coming out one arm, a tube of blood coming out the other arm. These massive machines that we'll talk about in a little bit. So first of all, elephant in the room. There's going to be a lot of resources for you guys. And the show notes for this show are going to be at bengreenfieldlife.com slash nexthealthlife. That's bengreenfieldlife.com slash nexthealthlife. The reason for that is I've been thinking about a lot of things relative to lifespan and life extension lately. Few things in particular that I really wanted to delve into are your immune system and your detoxification, meaning what you might consider to be like a cleanup of your body. The heart and what we don't currently look at when it comes to heart health that people should know a lot more about. We're kind of in the dark ages, in my opinion, with the way that we care for people's hearts. And I've learned a lot of very interesting things about that lately. And then finally, cancer. Uh, I don't think it's any secret now that I've had a, a family member, my father namely, struggling with colon cancer. It's also been a topic out of my mind. And it just so happens that Dr. Shaw uh, has some experience with a lot of this stuff. Yeah. And so I figure... Right off the bat, I want to ask you, Darshan, why the heck are we hooked up like robots to these machines? What's going on? Yeah, so um, Ben, you and I have been talking a while about the latest in healthcare and health optimization and longevity. And I really feel like this is the pinnacle of what we can offer right now. This is called therapeutic plasma exchange. Therapeutic plasma Plasma exchange, exchange, TPE. TPE, therapeutic plasma exchange. And what we're doing with these machines and being all hooked up here is blood is being removed from one arm, is going through this machine, which is separating the blood into its components of plasma and blood cells. And then the blood cells are being reinfused into this other arm over and here. Remind people real quick what plasma is. Exactly. So your blood is made up of two components, well, multiple components, but 55% of it is plasma. And plasma is where 
all of the ions, um, all of the toxins, all the growth factors, all the communication factors in your blood lives. And then the other 45% is red blood cells, white blood cells, and platelets. So if you ever see like PRP, when you take a tube of blood and you spin it? The platelet-rich plasma. Yeah, they, exactly. they spin it and they inject the, the platelets back into the, the joint or the injured area, right? Right. Yep, yeah. exactly. And so when you spin a vial of blood in a centrifuge, it'll separate into like this top yellow layer and this bottom red layer. And that's exactly what this machine is doing here for a large volume of blood. And so when you separate... So this is like a full-body PRP type of... Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, I didn't yeah. think about that That's one. what That's this machine really is now. doing. Okay. Full-body PRP, right? Okay. So um, this machine is basically a giant centrifuge, but it's very specific. It can pull out individual types of blood cells. Um, it's extremely complicated and calibrated to do what we're doing here. So what we're doing is removing the plasma... And the plasma is going to be in that bag. You can kind of see my bag full of like old plasma over there. And um, we're re-infusing albumin in where the plasma was. And the reason okay. you need albumin is because the plasma has a lot of proteins in it. You need to maintain that protein gradient, that osmotic gradient. And that's where you have to put the albumin back in. Where do you okay? get the albumin? The albumin is donated, albumin. Um, okay. It has no, it's been tested, it's been donated, um, and it has no like immune factors in it. Albumin is, is, doesn't have any immune factors, so you don't have to worry about an immune reaction right. or an allergic reaction. So okay. albumin, we use albumin in hospitals like every single day. We've been using it for years. Um, and this machine actually has been used in hospitals for many years as FDA approved. But wow. just like most of Western medicine, like we only use this technology when you're really, really sick. And... What we're doing here is we're bringing it out into health, wellness, longevity, and using this technology has been around forever, basically, in Western medicine, but bringing it to helping us live longer. I didn't know it had actually been around for that. So what diseases yeah. would it traditionally yeah. have been used to treat? So traditionally, this machine is used for autoimmune crisis, okay? So when people form autoimmune complexes, those complexes live in your plasma, and this extracts it from your plasma. And so um, that's what this would be used for is in the ICU for, like, autoimmune type of, uh, type of diseases, that have gone kind of out of control. Okay, so yeah. you get these autoimmune complexes in the blood. If you have a severe autoimmune disease, which right. technically would kill you if you didn't exactly. remove those, and this would normally be used to like filter those out of the blood to remove them. Exactly. And then to replace what's gone with albumin, right. which helps to replace the proteins that would naturally be present in blood. Exactly, exactly. Okay, now for somebody who doesn't have an autoimmune disease, why would they do this? Like what's it accomplishing? Okay, so great question. There's a lot of stuff that lives in our plasma. I have a chart up over here that you can show. Um, we have ions and nutrients that live in our plasma, of course, right? And so when we take that plasma out, we need to replace that back with IV therapy. So we basically okay. have an IV bag also going with your, um, with your you know, sodium, potassium. Okay, so that's replacing all my electrolytes exactly. and my nutrients that I'm losing in the blood. Exactly. Okay, so we got that covered. Okay. That's good. Growth factors, right? So we have hormones and growth factors in our, in our blood as well. Those are going to be regenerated by your body in 24 to 48 hours. So you, you do have 24, 48 hours where you're, you, know, you don't have those hormones in there, but they do regenerate like immediately. They start regenerating immediately okay. and they get back to normal levels within 24 hours. Then you and, have, and by the way, growth, what would a growth factor normally do? Like if you had it out of your system, what kind of things would you not be able to do? Well, I mean, 
for the short amount of time that you don't have a growth factor in your body, it doesn't do anything really. But okay. like if you had no like growth hormone for a long period okay, of time, so you, that's an you, issue. You'd see reduction anabolism exactly. that didn't get regenerated. Okay, yep, that's a good. That makes yeah. sense. Okay, so coagulation factors also live in here. So if um, after this therapy, it takes thirty six hours to regenerate your coagulation factors. So we always tell everyone be a little bit careful the next thirty eight six hours that you don't like you know bump your head or fall or anything like that. You still have some coagulation factors, so it's not too much of an issue. But we just help people to be careful. Okay, so no time. Monty Python skits where somebody's cutting off your arm because <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna exactly, really squirt. Okay, exactly. And then right. we have immune globulins. Okay, so these are what detect infections. And we replace those with what's called IVIG, IV immune globulin. So at the end of this, we give IVIG as well. Okay. So that's for your body to recognize infections. Okay. I could probably also have like a colostrum smoothie. Yeah. That's good for growth factors. That's and, true. And I actually love colostrum. Or you can have a colostrum. It, it covers some of these things you're talking about. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah, we can go right next door yeah. and get one over at yeah. uh, Sunlight. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and then proteins. We talked about proteins. We're replacing that with albumin. Okay. And then um, you, you know you have these um, exosomes that travel in your blood as well from your stem cells and from other cells that we can replace with exosome therapy after doing this as well. Okay, okay? But interesting. Those, also, your body will regenerate all of this stuff. It's regenerating it right now as it's being removed. Your body's able to regenerate immediately, but to get to normal levels takes about 24 hours. Okay. okay, what am I getting rid of that would be considered bad? Uh, now, this is the key, okay? So another reason that people have been using this machine in the past was for familial hypercholesterolemia, okay? So when people's cholesterol levels are out of control, like four or 500, this machine is removing cholesterol as well. So where are you seeing usefulness in this machine to remove LP little a? So some people have a genetic tendency to have really high LP little a, and so we can remove that with this machine as well. So if you have high cholesterol, this is an expensive, high maintenance way of removing that cholesterol, but some people need it if they have a familial reason for this. And the LP little a would be associated with the smaller cholesterol particles that would potentially be more atherosclerotic? Exactly. LP little a is a genetic condition. By the way, everyone listening to this needs to get their LP little a measured. 20% of people have disordered LP little a, and you have a genetic condition that causes high LP little a, which causes um, atherosclerosis, basically. And I can't tell you the number of people that we discover LP little a in. And um, the, the hard part about LP little a is, is genetic. It's also not manageable by lifestyle factors. So it doesn't matter how healthy you are, if you have LP, which you don't, by the way, we've checked yours and you don't have this, but one yeah. out of every five people have high LP little a and they have no idea and they're running around with like severely stenotic blood vessels and they don't know it. How's that compared to Apple B? Because you hear about Apple B is a highly atherosclerotic marker as well. So Apple B is a protein marker on all the bad cholesterol particles. So VLDL, LDL, triglycerides, LP little a. So I look at Apple B as like a sum total of your cholesterol that is atherogenetic. Atherogenic, okay. and so I would say, you know, we treat for ApoB. We want to look at ApoB. We want to get your levels managed of ApoB. We'll talk about this more when we talk about your Clearly Scan, by the way. But yeah, so cholesterol is one of the things that are being removed. Now, the main thing that this is removing is inflammatory cytokines, inflammatory molecules, toxins in your blood, so like heavy metal toxins and other toxins, and protein complexes as well that are deleterious. So, removing those um, from your blood is detoxifying you um, at a very, very high level. Right? Now, compared to something like, let's say, chelation or one of these metal mm -hmm. detoxification protocols, is this like considered pretty effective for removing metals? 
Oh yeah. So so chelation, what you're doing is you're binding those metals and you're trying to like pee them out and remove them that way. What this is doing is actually directly removing. Oh wow. Particles, right? Wow. That live in your plasma. What about like these chronic stealth co-infections, like Lyme or mold or Epstein Barr? Any effect on those? Um, so there's a lot of research being done on all these things now, finally, and um, we're actually treating patients and monitoring their levels as well. So hopefully we'll we'll see some effect there. So okay. you know, right now this kind of ther therapies are a little bit of a leap of faith because we don't have large randomized controlled studies on people, but they're on humans. But there are, I mean, the to, the way I look at it is, absolutely this stuff lives in your plasma. Absolutely removing it is going to be helpful. So let's let's give it a shot. Let's try it. This machine is extremely safe. Like this procedure is super safe because we're not treating you with any medicines, right? We're not putting any chemicals in your body. We're not treating you with any medicines. All we're doing is removing the bad stuff. Now, you know those experiments where they hook up two mice and they one is old and one is young? Yeah. And what the young... When they exchange blood. The, I right. believe the young one gets older. I don't think the old one gets younger. I think the young one gets older, isn't it? And the, and the old one gets younger. Okay, so yeah. it goes both ways. Exactly. Okay. So that's called parabiosis. That's yeah. why you have these like people up in Silicon Valley that are like doing plasma exchange with young people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, with young, healthy donors. Exactly. Yeah. But what we're finding now You can't is, have any of my blood, Darshan. <laughs> uh, what we're finding now, though, is not really the um, young blood that is making the old mouse younger. What's happening is, is removing the plasma from the old mouse that's making them younger. Oh, so you when see? the plasma comes out, it's not that you're replacing it with the young plasma, it's that right. you're removing the old stuff. Exactly. Which is exactly what we're doing right now. Which is exactly what we're doing Interesting. right now. Now, what right. do you say to, like, the people who are, you know, not that I want to throw anybody under the bus, but, like, some paleo, primal, carnivore type of enthusiast who's listening and who's screaming at you right now, Darshan, cholesterol is good. Why are you sucking cholesterol out of the blood? <laughs> we need that. Um, you know, I think that... Um, Unfortunately, the whole cholesterol debate has created two camps, which it is so much more nuanced than that, as we you know, as we know. Cholesterol is not bad for everybody. Um, having too high of a cholesterol is not bad for everybody. And we do have over-prescribing -prescri of cholesterol-lowering medications um, in general in, in the United States. We see that. I, I agree with that. We have over-prescribing. Over-prescribing, yeah. right. However, what I will say is that there are many people in the world that do need cholesterol-lowering medications. And based, this is, you know, we talk a lot about population-based medicine versus personalized medicine, right? Yeah. And so when you, when you make general statements like cholesterol is good or cholesterol is bad and apply that to an entire population, you're really doing each individual a disservice. So we're going to dive in later once again with your heart scan and how we're going to manage your cholesterol because you do have some of the negative effects that are building up of high cholesterol, right? right? So we do need to treat this for you. And the negative effects of high cholesterol, one of them is atherosclerosis. Atherosclerosis is due to three things. It's due to, it's due to number one, inflammation, right? So this mm -hmm. is re reducing inflammation. Right. Number two is due to damage to your arterial wall, most, mm -hmm. mostly from hypertension, high mm -hmm. blood pressure. And thirdly is APOB particles. very hard exercise as well. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Like doing like your lifestyle for many years. Right. You've, you've accumulated a, da a lot of damage to the, uh, to the endothelium of your right. blood vessels. And lastly is APOB particles. Okay. So mm -hmm. it's, it's only part of the equation. So high cholesterol is not bad for everybody. It's, it is a problem for many people. And that's why heart attacks are the number one cause of death 
in the United States, right? Yeah. In the Western world. And so we do need to manage for that. But um, yeah, I try not to get into like these debates that like people are like so one-sided about it because it's so much more nuanced and every individual is a different person and we got to look at each individual. What do you think about the idea that when it comes to cholesterol, you actually need to be more concerned about like tissue cholesterol levels versus blood cholesterol levels? Right. And so they're just kind of like, they're like a clue, but they don't really tell you what's going on from a tissue standpoint. Right. So what do we use cholesterol for? It's every cell wall needs cholesterol, right? And so cells are producing cholesterol and your liver is making extra cholesterol for the cells that don't have enough inside of it. And so really, if we had a measure of cellular cholesterol levels, that would be the, the best measure. Um, so blood cholesterol levels is only used as an indicator for treatment. You know, it's, it's, a, right. it's a biomarker that we use when we're instituting treatment. And it's a risk factor for disease, right? So it's not, it's not causing disease, but it is a risk factor we know from massive studies that have been done, a risk factor for heart disease and right. other, other types Probably of Probably because if it's elevated in the blood, that's a clue that it could be accumulating exactly. as plaque or right. contributing to plaque accumulation in the heart. Right. But that doesn't mean that high cholesterol is doing that. However, it's, it's a pretty good sign that it yeah. might be. Yeah, yeah and, I, that, and that's where other imaging might come in. Exactly. That's why, like, I try to reframe this whole cholesterol thing in my patients. I'm like, look, if you have damaged blood vessels and if you have inflammation, having a lot of ApoB particles is not good because those are the ones that are going to get into the vessel wall and cause blockages of your vessel wall. But if you're super healthy and you have a higher ApoB, it might not happen, right? And yeah. that's why you have to, once again, you have to treat each individual looking at where, what their status is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so that kind of leads me into, into what I wanted to ask you about in a second. But before we get off the topic of this TPE, this mm -hmm. therapeutic plasma exchange, how often would somebody do something like this? Like if you do it once in a lifetime, you're getting good effect, do you come back on a yearly basis? Or? Yeah, so it, it's, I'd like to describe it as like an oil change for your body, really. And a lot of the studies have been done on uh, six treatments, okay. protocols. Um, you know, no one knows right now. Um, let's talk about the studies a little bit, too, on, on therapeutic plasma exchange. Yeah. There's, there's some really great work being done by a Dr. Kriprov up north who um, we've interacted with and visited with on Alzheimer's disease, okay? And I've talked to Dr. Dale Bredesen about this as well. And... Um, when you remove the protein complexes, the tau protein and amyloid complexes from the plasma like we are right now, um, and you put albumin in the body, you can suck some more of these protein complexes out of the brain as well. And so what Dr. Kiproff has studied is using therapeutic plasma exchange with six treatments over the course of, um, I think, 12 weeks, six to 12 weeks. And he showed a decrease in progression of Alzheimer's by somewhere between 15 to 30%. Wow. Massive slowing of Alzheimer's using this treatment. Sadly, like, you know, insurance doesn't cover it. Um, it's pretty expensive right now. But hopefully we get to the point where we can offer this to patients who are developing Alzheimer's to slow their progression and potentially reverse where they're at. Wow. Yeah. And it's literally removing a lot of the proteins that would normally cause damage to the brain from Alzheimer's. Exactly. That's mm -hmm. crazy. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. Yep. So, so, you know, now there are blood tests for tau protein and amyloid protein that you can do. Uh -huh. And um, they have a very strong correlation with PET scans, which are what, what are diagnostic for Alzheimer's. So, you know, it goes to follow that if you can measure these proteins in the blood, um, removing them from the blood could be helpful. And Kiprov's studies are showing effect. 
How many times have you done TPE? This is my fourth time doing it. What do you notice after? Um, you know, I you don't really notice. A, for, I don't really notice a lot of physical um, sensations other than it's kind of like cryo. Like you just feel more energetic. You feel yeah. clearer for a few days. You just feel like you're. Um, you're able to sleep better, you know, you're able to get more done, exercise more, um, mm -hmm. lift more weight, etc. Um, and I feel that for probably for like, I would say seven to 14 days potentially. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not something you're necessarily going to feel. Right. Yeah. It's, it would be more like a, like a pretty hefty preventive lifestyle strategy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now, now, you know, we, we talked briefly about the heart thing. Yeah. I want to talk a lot more about that. And, and yeah. let me, let me lay down a background for folks a little bit here. Like if, if you look at the research, um, probably James O'Keefe is the guy who's done a lot of the, the studies on this or brought this to common knowledge. We know that there's a law of diminishing returns with exercise, meaning once you exceed somewhere around about 120 minutes of moderately intense exercise exactly. during the week, you see arterial stiffness, you see increased risk of cardiovascular disease, increased risk of stroke, etc. We also know that exercise is great for the Right, like it lowers blood pressure, lowers blood sugar, and, and within moderate amounts, it's good. We know that from what James O'Keefe has looked at, a lot of ultra marathoners, Ironman triathletes, and people who basically fit into the category of what I did for like 20 years, they tend to have a lot more heart issues than what you would expect from like an aerobically fit population. Absolutely. It's like too much of what might be a good thing in moderate amounts. So turns out that like, I don't know, Darshan, it was probably like three or four years ago. You and I met up with this Dr. Don Delia down right. there. We did a whole battery park test. We had a flow scan, we did EKG, yep. we did a, a ultrasound echocardiogram. And amongst that battery of tests was included what's called a calcium scan score. Exactly. And I got my calcium scan score. And even though just about everything else on my heart looked pretty good, I had elevated calcium. And it was very tightly packed, somewhat stable, the type of patterning you might see in someone who's more fit, but it was concerning nonetheless. And then nine months ago, I found out about this new test that's right. even better than the calcium scan score. It's called a CT angiography, exactly. uh, known, known as a clearly, clearly scan for diagnostic right. imaging. And I'll let you explain in a minute what that test is looking at, but, but layman's explanation here, sorry ladies, layman's or laywoman's, <laughs> is that it tells you the amount of plaque that you have in your heart, whether it's stable or unstable, and where it might have accumulated. My score was very high. It was concerningly high. And so over the past nine months, I have been doing a lot of things to see if I could get it to lower, namely endothelial glycocalyx support, certain sulfur-based supplements that help to support the lining of the blood vessels, nitric oxide precursors and nitric oxide support for vasodilation, more infrared sauna, more magnesium, uh, less intake of like a lot of the saturated fat cuts from the ribeye and the pork, et cetera, a lot more fish and olive oil. And then I also uh, have been using red yeast rice, which is kind of like nature statin, a little CoQ10 and niacin. That's a pretty hefty stat. Yeah. And I feel great, right? I feel mm -hmm. great. However, came into the repeat test and not only has the plaque not budged, it's gotten a little higher. Right. So we'll address why that is, what we might be able to do about it in a moment. But I'm saying all this to tell you that folks, like when you hear about the natural, healthy lifestyle, you know, just take the supplements type of approach, there might be cases where you need to do a little bit more digging than that. And if you haven't yet done a scan like this and you're only looking at your lipids, 
you might have to do a little more digging with that too. But first of all, Darshan, I know I know I just gave a little mini TED talk. What's uh what is the the CT angiography this clearly scan actually looking at? Absolutely. So okay, so the first test I get all my patients to do, I think I like pushed you into doing this CT calcium score as well. Like mm-hmm. you're, I think you were 35 when we did it, right? Right. You were, you were pretty young. I was 35 and, and by the way, I was very much like high fat diet, keto, fat, 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 cholesterol right. is good, had elevated LDL, high HDL, low triglycerides, but also somewhat elevated right. APOB, right. Uh, slightly elevated LP little a, not super high, but one of those lipid panels that like, I don't know, someone in the ancestral health community would yeah. stand proudly about, and mm-hmm. I actually did at the time. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, look, let's just check a CT calcium score on you. And we saw the calcification. So what a CT calcium score is, it's a CAT scan of your heart. It's super quick. It's like 10 minutes. And it's minimal radiation. And it's the most underutilized diagnostic test in healthcare today because insurance doesn't pay for it, and God knows why. And I love that test because it gives us an indicator of if you're forming plaque or not. Now, what that's showing you is little bits of calcium in your blood vessels, right? And when your blood vessels have plaque and it gets calcified, that's an advanced, more stabilized plaque. So when I see calcium and someone's calcium score come back positive, I know that they have plaque, number one. Number two, they've had plaque for a while. And number three, it's getting pretty advanced, right? Plaque always starts off as soft plaque. It doesn't have calcium inside of it. And it's soft, meaning that is just cholesterol in the blood vessel wall that's lowering the, um, the diameter of that blood vessel wall. So what the Clearly scan does is a CT angiogram. Now this is a longer scan. It takes probably about what, 30, 45 minutes to do. And there is more radiation associated with it, but it's still within tolerable levels. You don't wanna get this done every quarter or every month. You wanna do it like once every few years. But it gives us an indication, not just of calcified plaque, but also the soft plaque. Mm-hmm. Soft plaque, in my view, is still treatable, whereas hard plaque is more difficult to treat because it's so, calcified. So would soft plaque be considered stable and hard plaque unstable? Or opposite. The opposite. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so exactly. hard plaque is stable, soft plaque is unstable, more likely to break loose and cause problems. Exactly. More likely to get a, a clot in it, more likely to um, expand rapidly, etc. So. What we have on the screen here is your left main and left anterior descending. Oh, these are vessel. my results. That is from, your from the result. one that I just did yesterday. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah. your. This okay. is actually your left main and left anterior descending artery. Your left main see. and left anterior descending artery in my heart. Exactly. Okay. Now, how cool is that though? That it can lay out the entire artery and show you exactly where the plaque is, and so you can see that yellow stuff. At the beginning over there, your proximal left anterior descending artery yeah. is non-calcified plaque. So that's that's plaque that we know is narrowing your artery right now. And from your previous clearly scan that we did a few years ago, that's actually become worse. Yeah, Even and non, with, non-calcified yeah. is not good. Exactly. It, it, that, that would be unstable. It's it's unstable and also mm-hmm. it's in a, in a bad spot. It's called yeah. a widowmaker, right? Yeah. Because that can expand rapidly and... If you block your left anterior descending artery, it's mo- most of your heart is supplied by this blood vessel. It's you can die, right? So this right. is how a lot of people find out that they have heart disease the first mm-hmm. time is their first heart attack. Is they actually get their first heart attack. Exactly. Fifty yeah. percent yeah. of people find out at their first heart attack, and fifty percent of those people die. Well, folks, it's no secret our metabolism seems to be under an attack. Oh man, not again! A staggering eighty-eight percent of Americans are metabolically unhealthy. It's sugar, it's caffeine, sedentary lifestyle. We need clean fuel. 
And we need clean fuel that lets us do things like satiate our appetite without eating hyperpalatable foods chock full of fats and carbohydrates in excess. Enter ketones from Ketone IQ. This is the latest innovation from the metabolic health leaders at Health Via Modern Nutrition, or HVMN. I had both the guys who run this company fly up to my house and talk deep about ketones on a podcast. They're smart. They're motivated. They put a ton of positive energy into what they develop, and hence, scientifically proven products are a result. To support mental clarity, athletic performance, and metabolic health, 28% more efficient at generating energy than sugar alone. That's what ketones do for you, meaning you can do more with less. Ketone IQ was created through a $6 million contract from the U.S. Department of Defense, deep partnerships with some of the top researchers in ketone science. This drink is truly cutting edge, so you can avoid the insulin spikes, the caffeine jitters, and the mid-afternoon energy crashes, and you can start fueling with Ketone IQ and feel the difference for yourself. At HVMN, they also stand by their products 100%, so if you're not satisfied, your order is free. That's how much they believe in the power of these magical little ketones, and they taste good. They work. I use them on airplanes. I use them when I travel. I use them before I go play tennis because they seem to enhance my ability to be able to think and perform at the same time. So uh, if you go and subscribe at HVMN, you'll get a subscription wellness kit with uh, their three 12-ounce bottles of Ketone IQ, two shot glasses, and a golden ticket to gift to your friends. They've also got 24 Ketone IQ shots, one water bottle, and one golden ticket to gift to your friends. A couple of different packages for you there, and you save 30% off that subscription order at Ketone IQ. Go to hvmn.com slash beng. That's hvmn.com slash beng. You can subscribe upon checkout for 30% off. And if you live in California, lucky you, you can find HVMN in California Earth Bar locations, as well as Sprouts grocery store locations. I wake up every morning and I make myself a giant mason glass jar full of adrenal support. That's right. Whole food vitamin C from acerola fruit extract and sodium from Redmond's Real Salt that has over 60 trace minerals to support my adrenal glands, which based on my lifestyle do tend to get pooped out if I don't pay attention to giving them the fuel that they need. This stuff is third-party label claim verified, a 100% money back guarantee, and it is brought to you by one of my favorite companies out there for this kind of support, Jigsaw Health. Jigsaw Health Adrenal Cocktail is what it's called with whole food vitamin C. Visit JigsawAC.com and use Greenfield 10 to get 10% off your order. JigsawAC.com and use Greenfield 10 to get 10% off your order. We are looking at the left main and left anterior descending arteries of a heart that was under extreme amounts of yes. stress for like 20 years. Right. And I said, I mean like maximum heart rate or above for multiple minutes per day, right. um, combined with honestly like a lot of lifestyle stress, et cetera. And, and this is notable for folks eating what could be considered a pretty healthy diet, sure. at least not a standard American mm -hmm. diet being aerobically fit, getting in the sunshine, et cetera. Now, w would you say that if you were to combine, this is a question I've, I'm very curious about, kind of like a, a bigger picture question. If you were to, to be into like CrossFit, you know, maybe mm -hmm. two a days and you know, ultra endurance, triathlon, marathon, do you think that you would actually aggravate this issue if you were kind of eating like a higher fat, high saturated fat, you know, keto type of diet because you'd have more cholesterol to potentially become oxidized? Yeah. I mean, look, every individual, I can, I can tell you, everyone I see has a different story. Like you're one of the healthiest people I know. And, yeah. and you, you created a lot of inflammation, I think, by having that endurance athlete lifestyle. Right. right? Combined with the, the high, the moderately elevated cholesterol levels as well. 
yes, I think for you, we can definitely see that this has affected your arteries. Now, I've, yeah. I, we see a lot of athletes here, and I can tell you this is a pattern I see over and over and over again. So anecdotally, I can say the answer to your question is probably you're headed in the right direction with and do, that. And do you see it over and over again in athletes of all varieties, or primarily do you see it more notably in like endurance and ultra-endurance athletes or, or people who would be considered over-trainers? Yeah, I, I would say it's more the over-trainers, right? Okay. Exactly. And so I think there's a point in your life that you really have to look at the amount of exercise you're doing and how it's positively or negatively affecting your inflammation levels and your metabolic health yeah. and your ApoB levels. Those three things are... Um, for many people that exercise like an endurance lifestyle, they do cause damage for years and years that builds up. And then we have to encourage them to have a different tact to their exercise routine that we talked yeah. about. So, yeah. so yeah. So, I mean, I think, um, you know, once again, population medicine will tell you, um, to not check these tests. I think all the people listening out there, like if your doctor says, Oh, you're fine, your cholesterol levels low, you know, don't worry about it. Like I think, getting a CT calcium score at the very least is a good idea for anyone who's 40 years old and um, above. Yeah, but what about, if, what if somebody can't afford it or their yeah. uncle Jerry who wears a tinfoil hat told them they get more radiation than a thousand plane flights or <laughs> whatever. You know, they, there's reasons that they might not get a CT angiography. Earlier, you and I pulled up on your laptop this other test that can give you like markers that could be predictive of this same type of plaque accumulation. It's called Preventia yes. HART test. What do you think about something like that? Yeah, some of those tests are actually really good. Um, they're, they're indicators of heart stress, okay? And so when you have blockages in your blood vessels, you, you cause more stress in the heart, and then you can pick that up in protein biomarkers. That blood test actually is more expensive than a CT calcium score. The CT calcium score you can get for 100 bucks. So just call a oh, local radiologist. That blood like north of 400, I right. think. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. I think the calcium score combined with that blood test is, is great, you know, workup for uh, atherosclerosis disease. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, when you see a cardiologist, they're going to do like a stress, a stress test on you. They're going to do an mm -hmm. echo. There's other testing that needs to be done. And the cardiologists are experts at testing for this stuff. But most people never get referred to a cardiologist until it's too late. And yeah. that's why I, I try to promote and harp on, you know, being the CEO of your own health and getting some of these markers done early so you know earlier and you can talk to your doctor about referring you to a cardiologist. Most people yeah. under the expression this type of diagnostic imaging is prohibitively expensive or only available yeah. on executive health panels. You said less than a hundred bucks. Less than less around a hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, which to, to me for the knowledge that we're getting from this is incredible. Yeah. Now, so, so we're looking at our left main, left anterior descending. And by the way, again, for those of you who are wanting the video, the images, I'll even put downloads of this if you guys want them. Go to bengreenfieldlife.com slash nexthealthlife. BenGreenfieldLife.com slash Next Health Life. What else can we can we glean from this data here? Yeah, so, so what's great here too is that we can see your other blood vessels that are supplying your heart. You have a few lesions here in your right coronary artery that are fairly minimal. And when and you we, say a lesion, is that is a lesion synonymous with plaque accumulation? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, plaque accumulation. And you know, you actually get these scores here that are um, that are helpful for us to follow as well. So you can see that um, you know you have different plaque stages. You have a plaque score, atheromal volume, and we can follow these numbers over time. Now, precision medicine is going towards treating these numbers and actually reversing plaque with 
newer therapeutics like PCSK9 inhibitors. Yeah, are, I won't talk about that. For yeah, sure. exactly. Yeah. So we can do a combination of cholesterol-lowering medications. And look, I'm not trying to push statins on everybody. I don't think I think statins are some of the most overprescribed medications in the world. However, there is a combination of statin and Zetia and PCSK9 inhibitors that's right for each individual patient. Okay. And so there's testing that needs to be done to see what's right for you. And then we can potentially reverse some of this damage that's been done. Okay. Combined with all the things that you're doing um, already, like you're taking the right supplements. I think modifying the diet, one diet that's been shown and extensively studied to reverse plaque is actually the Mediterranean diet. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, um, absolutely. I, the one I, with the yeah. unlimited breadsticks and the canola oil, <laughs> the Olive Garden, that one. No breadsticks. No, no. <laughs> or the one yeah. with the religious and systematic fasting periods of protein restriction and yeah. really good extra virgin olive oil consumption from the actual Mediterranean. <laughs> I actually think it's from... Yeah, I, I think it's from the, the yeah. amount of vegetables being 500 yeah. to 800 grams of vegetables, yeah. high fiber, Artery olive oil. flavanols and polyphenols. Yeah, exactly. yeah I, exactly. I agree. And I'm gradually like moving more and more into that type of dietary protocol, especially yeah. the more I learn about my heart and some of these studies. Now, a couple subtle nuances here. On, on this uh, atherosclerotic chart, you can see I'm stage two out of stage zero, one, two, and three. You and I were in Maui at your guys' location down there. We got a Next Health inside the Four Seasons, which is pretty cool. And uh, when we were there, we were at the dinner one night, and you told me about this study that you later texted to me that showed mm -hmm. the type of proven protocol from a medication standpoint exactly. that would be used to actually treat like a stage one, stage two, stage three, and it's like a, a statin combo, something like that, yeah. right? Yeah. So How does that work? So it's a combination of statins, right, um, and Zetia, which lowers the absorption of cholesterol. What's Zetia again? Zetia is a zetamide. It's, it's a okay. pill that you take that lowers your absorption okay. of cholesterol and a PCSK9 inhibitor as well. So the, the combination of these medications can be very helpful in uh, reducing plaque volume if you get to it early enough before it calcifies, which is the Clearly Scan is great because it tells us how much non-calcified plaque you have. And now we actually yeah. have really good numbers to follow and treat towards. So, you know, I'm not a cardiologist, but we work with Dr. Dandelion that you've met, and he's mm -hmm. a cardiologist, and he can institute the right protocol for you to, to turn back um, some of this damage that's in, you, in that really bad spot. You know, that left yeah. anterior descending spot is a bad spot. So we want to closely monitor and turn that around. Yeah, and so you've got the Zetia, the Zetamide. What's, what's the other statin that you would take in combination with that? Crestor. Crestor. Yeah. What's, what's the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 uh, sort of an R, Crestor? Yeah, Rosvastatin. Yeah, Rosvastatin. Yeah. Yeah, so Rosvastatin and Zetamide, and you would take those, I think what, what you told me was like five migs of the, of the Rosvastatin. Right, exactly. And 10 migs of the Zetamide. Right. But, and you can go up on the dose too. Yeah. You know, yeah. But later, you actually got me a prescription for that. I didn't quite start it. Because yep. someone told me, that some people are genetic non-responders to statins. Yeah. So I went and tested my genes, and lo and behold, you know, I did a, uh, one of these tests, uh, self-decode, I think is the one I mm -hmm. used for this, and any test, strategine, um, DNA company, many of these tests will show that. It showed I was a statin non-responder. Is that common? Um, it's not common, but it is, definitely, um, it is definitely a problem for some people. And so we see this... By the way, I just did a podcast with Self Decode yesterday. Oh, with Joe. And, yeah, yeah, with he's Joe. Great. He's great. Yeah, he's he's done such a deep dive into this stuff. It's amazing. He likes to take his shirt off a lot now. <laughs> all of a sudden, I'm not the guy who's half naked all the time. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, so he's I mean, he looks great, but he he um, 
really as a great platform where we can find these genetic non-responders just using you know a simple gene test or even you can upload your 23andMe, I think. Yes. So in the absence of those tools, we learn by prescribing, not making a big difference, moving towards a different class of medications. But yes, now you can do gene testing and see that there's actual okay. non-responders. Yeah. And, and so then I talked to Dr. Dondelaya yeah. and he said, well, then the PCSK9 inhibitor would be a good idea for you. So what is a PCSK9 inhibitor? So this is an injectable medication that actually works in your liver to inhibit an enzyme called PCSK9 that breaks down a receptor that catches cholesterol in your bloodstream. Okay, so, so once you inhibit the breakdown of that, you have more of those receptors, you remove more cholesterol from your bloodstream, metabolize it in your liver. Okay, would there be, like, and, and I know some people are going to ask this, like, well, the body has LDL receptors for a reason. Like, why would you want to uh, decrease the degradation of those or, or somehow stop the body's normal process of breaking down LDL receptors so you have more to catch the LDL? Because there's massive studies show that lowering your ApoB by removing LDL, LP little a, VLDL particles from your bloodstream reduces your risk of dying from a heart attack. And now we have more studies using things like CT angiogram showing that using the right treatment protocol can actually reverse plaque, which is massive, right? I mean, yeah. like, it used to be like damage is done. The only way we can reverse, we can treat you now is to put a stent in your heart or do bypass surgery. Now we know that with therapeutics, we can actually reverse some of this damage. And would you need yeah. to, for, for something like a plaque reversal or what they, they call, I think they call like melting away plaque, right? right? And, and, and again, I got in all the natural stuff recently and I read the studies about pomegranate juice melts yeah. away plaque. I've been doing tons of the reds and the polyphenols, obviously didn't make a dent. But the PCSK9, would that have to be combined with a statin and with Zetia, or could that be effective on its own? So this is where, you know, you really got to get into that personalized medicine part using that study I sent to you. I believe for you it's a combination therapeutic modality, right. but I, I just need to look at exactly how much plaque you have, what the research shows, and what that treatment protocol is. I remember is the chart and, that yep. you showed me. Yep. It, it, was, it was five migs of the resuvastatin. 10 of the Zetia, and then the PCSK9 inhibitor as a twice a month injection. Yep, there you go. And so that, that would be like the next step for me to actually start to melt this away. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's very um, uh, targeted now. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think, I think that you, armed with this data, which you would have never had if we not got that calcium score, we, we can potentially prevent a heart attack, you know, that you might have had when you were in the 50s. In your oh, 50s. yeah. My wife is going to give you a big hug. The PCSK9 inhibitor, any side effects? You know, very, those? very minimal rate of any side effects. I have acted, I've had probably about 100 people on PCSK9. I've never yeah. seen anyone have an untoward yeah. reaction to it. Okay. Yeah. All right. And that's just like an injection. You can pick it up in the pharmacy, take exactly. it home. Okay. Right. This is really good information. Yeah. The Apple B. Yep. No surprises here. Mine was elevated. It was up near 120. What do you like to see Apple B at if someone's testing that in conjunction with this? Right. So now that we know that you have a lesion, I would try to lower your Apple B to 50 or lower. 50 or lower. Five zero or lower. And yeah. you said a PCSK9 can help with that. It, it, it's incredibly effective. Yeah. With you think that's one of the best things to lower Apple B? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh huh. 
Okay, good it's to know. It's definitely the most effective, the most targeted for many people that, for, in what I've seen with my patients. Now, different people respond differently to different medications, and so there is a little bit of a discovery time period that we have to go through with people yeah. to see what's going to work for them. And so it's not like a one protocol fits everybody, but at least we know where to start. Hey, there's a guy who's really been making the waves in regenerative medicine, longevity, and anti-aging. His name is Dr. Adil Khan. I interviewed him on my podcast, and he has quietly behind the scenes been assembling the who's who of biohacking and longevity to descend upon Austin, Texas in February, namely February 24th for an epic one-day event. Me, Dave Asprey, Tom Bilio, Ian White, Dr. Adil Khan himself, peptides guru Jean-Francois Tremblay, DNA guru Kashif Khan, and a whole lot of other fantastic folks are going to be a part of this event that goes from 8.30 in the morning until 5 p.m. in the evening with networking and uh, potential good times afterwards, and you're invited. You're invited. Uh, not only that, I'm going to give you a discount on a ticket price and a link to where you can get in. Uh, go to bengreenfieldlife.com forward slash unlock dash longevity. That's bengreenfieldlife.com forward slash unlock dash longevity. I'd love to see you in Austin Saturday. Clear your calendar. Saturday, February 24th for this. I'll probably get into Austin a few days early, stay a couple days after. So if you're coming into town, I'm sure we'll be able to get up to all sorts of fun stuff, including a cold plunge in Barton Springs. Who doesn't love that? bengreenfieldlife.com forward slash unlock dash longevity. I'll see you there in Austin. Okay. All right. So you saved me from dying of heavy metal accumulation mm -hmm. and autoimmune diseases. <laughs> you have uh, stopped my widow maker in its tracks. So we're, we're two out of three here, but the last piece here is obviously a concern for a lot of people as well. And that's cancer. Yeah. And specific to the conversation I wanted to have with you today colon cancer. And you have a history right. with, with colon cancer, right? Yeah. Well, I spent, you know, the first half of my life being a surgeon and I've removed probably over 200 colon cancers in my life surgically. So wow. a lot of history with colon cancer. I know you said your dad just had surgery for my, colon cancer. My dad had surgery for colon cancer. I have uh, two cousins who have passed away of colon cancer. Yeah. Another one who has a colonic resection. Yeah. My grandfather died of colon cancer. Wow. And it is on both my mom and my dad's side. So I've yeah. got a high risk and my genetics show a high risk for yeah. colon cancer. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I realize some people say, well, you know, just do a coffee enema every week and you're going to be good <laughs> to go, but there's got to be a little bit more to it than that. So I'd, I'd be curious to hear your take on yeah, this. Yeah, I was going to show you a picture, but I, I can just talk to you about it. Okay. Um, so basically, you know, colon cancer is incredibly underdiagnosed as well. And when you talk about, Whenever I talk about cancer, I always say cancer's biggest enemy is being diagnosed as stage one, right? And most people don't find out about cancer until they're symptomatic. Symptomatic cancer is almost always stage three or stage four. Now, instead of talking about cure, we're talking about five-year survival rates, right? With chemo and radiation. So you never want to get to that point. And sadly, you know, Western medicine is so geared, once again, to population medicine. You can't do some of these tests on everybody. Not everybody in the world can get an MRI. Not everybody in the country can get an MRI. Because right. we just don't have the facilities to do that, and we don't, and it's expensive. However, we would have a much lower spend on treating advanced cancer if we did do stuff like that, right? Now, cancer in general, there's different ways of diagnosing cancer, and for different types of cancers, 
there's different diagnostic protocols. For colon cancer specifically, the most effective way is to do a colonoscopy, as you know. And everyone needs to get their colonoscopy because not only can a colon cancer be diagnosed before it even is stage one. By, because by, it's like a tiny little polyp. Exactly, yeah. because it starts inside of a polyp. When you do a colonoscopy, you can see the polyp and you can actually remove it. And so now you're diagnosing and treating colon cancer at pre-stage one. Right? right. So for you, with this extensive family history of colon cancer, rather than waiting until your tummy hurts or you can't, you know, you have severe constipation or even worse, why not just do a colonoscopy once every couple of years and remove these polyps? Because people say they're risky. That's why they say they're getting colon perforated or there's issues with anesthesia. Or I even read um, this is just a few days ago. I read that you should talk to your physician because they don't properly clean a lot of the equipment used in colonoscopies and there's all sorts of fear or fear-mongering at least out there about colonoscopies. Yeah, there's so much fear-mongering and I can tell you that, you know, the equipment cleaning thing, I mean, someone probably read like one article about that somewhere. If you go to a reputable gastroenterologist, they are excellent at cleaning their equipment. Their, their perforation rate, you should always ask, what is your perforation rate? Mm -hmm. Is minimal, minimal. And the anesthesia is the most minimal anesthesia you can get, and it's extremely safe. So, I mean, I, look, not everyone needs to get a colonoscopy every couple of years, but your extensive family history, my advice to you would be to do them more frequently than not do them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah when you say more so. frequently, you think like if you have a high family risk of a certain type of cancer, like colon cancer, like yearly? Or Every couple of years. Every couple of years. Every two to three yeah. years, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I recently interviewed Dr. Avi Herskovich yep. from San Francisco about yeah. this. And I'll, I'll certainly link to that podcast in the show notes. We had a very frank discussion about the rate of cancer growth and how it can be accelerated and also the increased rates of cancer in young populations. We talked a little bit about liquid cancer biopsies, right. like, like being able to diagnose cancer from a blood, like RGCC or, or a Grail test or something right. like that. You ever mess around with any of those? Oh, yeah. Our cancer diagnostic protocol for our executive physical patients is to do a full body MRI okay. combined with a liquid biopsy, okay, a full skin evaluation, and then all the regular cancer screening stuff too. So your mammograms and your mm -hmm. um, OBGYN exam for women. For men, it's a PSA level prostate exam and colonoscopy for both men and women. And, um, yeah, and so, so we, we cover the, the full gamut. Now, the important thing to realize about um, the liquid biopsy, which I think is like a game changer in medicine. Um, let me just talk about what that is real quick, right? It's yeah. a blood test where you're finding cell-free DNA of tumors. So tumors actually shed DNA when they first develop into your bloodstream. These can now be detected in your bloodstream utilizing uh, DNA sequence analyzers. So it's a massive step forward in medicine and cancer diagnostics. Um, it can diagnose some of the highly lethal forms of cancer very easily, um, like a pancreatic cancer, for example, or liver cancer, bile duct cancer. And these are all cancers that are very difficult to diagnose until it's too late. Like I always say, if Steve Jobs was a, was around a few more years, he, we would have benefit of this technology and yeah. he'd still be alive because we would have found this pancreatic cancer stage one. Yeah, right? yeah. So you you need that combo of these tests: full body MRI, liquid biopsy, and the regular screening in concert to be truly 21st century in cancer diagnostics. Some people will say, well, that's too much. You're going to be finding a bunch of stuff that would normally be benign, would never be an issue. You find little spots and you go in and cut something out. 
like you never would have had to do that because it wasn't an issue in the first place. I've heard yeah, people say that. Absolutely. So there's this thing in MRIs called incidentalomas, and incidentalomas are finding incidental findings and having to figure out like what is that. You might need a couple of extra diagnostic tests, like an ultrasound or something else. But once you diagnose an incidentaloma and you know it's there, um, the next time you do the MRI, you don't go down that pathway again. It's just a one and done. You've you've you've, you've figured it out. Same thing with the Grail test. Now. What I will tell you is you have to have a certain like psychological fortitude to be able to handle a false positive diagnosis. It's yeah. not really a false positive. There's something there. We just don't know if it's a cancer or not a cancer. Right. Does that make sense? So yes, you need to have that mental fortitude, but I would say that the flip side of that is that you don't diagnose it. You live in you know blissful ignorance until it's too late. Yeah. Right? yeah. And yeah. so I think, I think it's in my, my view, uh, for myself, my family, my friends, I encourage doing some of this testing just so you know earlier rather than later. How important do you think it is to avoid red meat as far as a cancer risk? And, and, and I, I know this is a loaded question, so I'll just hopefully not softball this up for you too much, but I think that heavily processed, smoked, preservative-laden meat is an issue but I've always wondered if there's something about red meat specifically beyond the way it's processed that would make it a risk. Or if you're having a grass-fed, grass-finished cut of beef, you don't have to worry about it. I think that um, you know the WHO made red meat a you know cancer-causing substance, and it's all because all those studies were done on processed, heavily processed, irresponsibly grown meat. And um, I think as long as you're sticking to super organic, well-raised red meat, you're going to be okay. Um, most pork is not raised responsibly, so I stay away from yeah. pork for that reason. Um, however, I'm a big fan of grass-fed beef. And yeah, grass-fed, grass-finished. Grass-fed and yeah. grass-finished, right, exactly, yeah. beef. And I use this company called Cow, K-O-W, if we use them. Or, or, no, it's a great name, though. Yeah, yeah, they have, yeah. A, they have incredible beef. Um, Butcher's Box is incredible, too. And I don't limit myself on red meat. I'm, yeah. I, and, you know, I think the, the opposite is not getting enough protein, which is worse than not getting enough, you know. Yeah, because protein, you know, this is, I think, something else that's vilified in the industry. You know, excess activation of mTOR and it's insulinogenic and it's got too much methionine in it, which could be, yeah. you know, uh, you know anti-life extension. And the problem is that protein is so satiated. Yeah. So associated with the drop in frailty, so good at, at stabilizing blood glucose levels. You ever tried to eat yourself full on like a chicken breast, <laughs> like a leg of turkey? Yeah. Like there's no way there's you're no going to eat as much as if you had cheesecake right. or a bowl yeah. of cereal. You know, I, I haven't had dinner last night with a very smart guy. He said he thinks that within 10 years, nutrition standards will be adjusted up to 1.5 grams per pound of protein for the recommended intake of protein. And even though that sounds high, I think that more people would benefit from higher protein intakes from good, clean protein sources, especially just to look at like frailty, sarcopenia, yeah. muscle protein synthesis. So yeah, I think, I think there's a little bit of protein phobia that goes on that's just yeah. it's unnecessary. And it's, once again, it's become those religious kind of things, like there's one side versus the other side. Even like, I have a lot of patients that are vegans and vegetarians, and we, I still talk about getting enough protein. It, you don't have to eat red meat to get enough protein. There's other protein sources, but I do absolutely believe that we're underfed in protein in general, and that's what's leading to a lot of chronic conditions, a lot of chronic disease, frailty, like you said. 
as well in sarcopenia. And so I think um, definitely there, we do need to revisit how much, you know, the, the RDA of protein is like nothing. It's like 0.4 yeah. milligrams yeah. per yeah. kilogram. My, my <laughs> current recommendation is 0.8 grams of protein per pound of body weight. Yes. Try to get some of that from amino acids, gelatin, or collagen, right. like, like hydrolyzed protein sources right. or even whey protein. If you're older, use digestive enzymes, like right. a protein digesting enzyme to break it down. And then if you want a little bit of icing on the cake from a muscle standpoint, vitamin D, fish oil, and creatine. Exactly. And like that would be like what I'd tell an old person who wanted to maintain or build muscle to yeah. actually use. I love it. You always break down the exact protocol. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so well. It's, yeah. That's exactly what like you need. Follow the rules. Right. Yeah. Um, well, Eight grams of creatine a day or five grams of creatine? Five grams, although creatine can assist with executive function mm -hmm. and cognition in a state of sleep deprivation but all the studies on that use 10 to 20 milligrams exactly. or 10 to 20 grams a day so yeah. use higher dose creatine if you need it for like the neurological effects right. and that would be one off because it'll honestly give you diarrhea using that much frequently yeah. but then just five grams a day and it, and it works perfectly i saw just one study creatine monohydrate yeah yeah and i saw one study eight grams a day um decreased risk of cognitive impairment in Alzheimer's as yeah. well, neuroprotective. Yeah, so that was as low as so, eight. You know, yeah. I said 10 to 20, but it sounds like you've yeah, seen as low as eight. Yeah. 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 Yes, that's impressive. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we've got therapeutic plasma exchange. We've got this this clearly scan. We've got uh, the, the cancer and the liquid cancer biopsies, the MRIs, the screenings. You guys do a lot more than that uh, at Next Health with your executive panels. And we've talked a lot more about this in the past as well. I'll link to all the previous shows I've done with Darshan at bengreenfieldlife.com slash nexthealthlife. Anything else exciting coming down the pipeline, whether it's technologies, events, uh, tests that you think would be cool for people to know about or give them a preview of? Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, we're doing a lot around um, managing for metabolic disease, right? And so we're providing patients with advice around how to manage metabolic disease. And I love the continuous glucose monitor. If you not, don't have one. Where am I, I would, right out? Yeah, you got Back there right somewhere now. hidden behind all the tubes of blood. Yeah. Truly understanding how your metabolism works is, is key. So um, we're doing a lot with that. We're doing a lot with the full body MRI scanning um, as part of our executive physical. We do a lot of functional medicine as well. So for people out there that don't have a functional medicine doctor, uh, look into that about hormone balancing, gut health, um, also you know, around uh, brain health and detoxifying your life. Uh, we live in the most toxic environment ever in human history right now, so understanding how to detoxify the air you breathe, the water you drink, the food you eat, the chemicals you put on your skin is super important. Um, and then um, as far as like longevity technology goes, this is the cutting edge right here. We combine this with stem cell exosome therapy um, as well after the plasma exchange is done. We do a lot of ozone therapy as well for people that are struggling with uh, things like Lyme disease or uh, mold poisoning, et cetera. And, um, um, I think, you know, there's a huge uptick in education around all these things with podcasts mm -hmm. like yours, uh, mutual friend Huberman, Tia, all these guys are really talking um, on scientifically based protocols to improve your health, wellness, longevity. And I really appreciate that, like yeah. looking at the science. And um, we're doing an event, you know, in April that sold out, unfortunately, but hopefully we'll do it on a yearly basis, kind of bringing all the thought leaders like yourself together um, in Los Angeles. You guys going to record that at all? 
Unfortunately, okay. a lot of the guys won't allow us to oh, record. Oh man, those sadly. bastards! You can record <laughs> mine. I don't care. All right, <laughs> awesome. We're definitely going to record yours and put yeah. it up there. That, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, but um, we will record as many as we can because okay. there's so much good knowledge out there, and I think everyone should just know that the amount of knowledge that we're gaining is incredible right now. Like the the uptick in the amount of science that's being done. I, I really believe that the singularity is going to happen where we're going to figure out how to live many, many years longer. So get yourself educated, understand what's coming out, and just like start doing some of this stuff, right? Yep. And I think a lot of people get caught up in the controversy like we're talking about, the religious aspects of you know meat, no meat, right. APOB, don't worry about your cholesterol. I think it's super individualized. You have to discover what works well for you rather than to hang your hat on one camp, right? Yeah, I've always said that I like to think of myself as having one foot in the realm of modern wisdom or or, or ancient wisdom, the other foot in the realm of modern science. And I think part of that comes down to accepting both natural, naturopathic, alternative, hippie remedies, like tying a chicken around your neck and eating chicken noodle soup, and also modern allopathic diagnostic precision medicine that tells you the type of stuff that we talked about today. I think you can have both. Like you say, eat a Mediterranean diet, but you can get a a CT angiography too. And I think that's a takeaway for me from this show is like embrace a lot of this stuff that you might not think you need to do because you're healthy, bro. But it turns out that that could be an entirely different story than what's actually going on. So. Yeah, you're a living example of, yeah. of everything, and um, that's right, you know, but also yeah. you do everything right, yeah. but we can still find stuff, and, yeah. and that's where Western, you know, I, I'm a reformed Western medical doctor, right? Yeah. Like, I used to be a surgeon doing everything Western medicine, like, taught me to do, and I found that that doesn't necessarily lead to optimal health, right? Yeah. And so I totally changed my career into functional medicine, nutrition, exercise, and learning more about that and, I, and you're absolutely right these things work together right yeah. and so you got to use the best of both worlds yeah yeah, yeah. well Sean, thank you so much uh show notes folks are gonna be at bengreenfieldlife.com slash next health life i'll link to all the other shows i've done with darshan you can leave your questions your comments your feedback there thank you so much for watching if you saw the live version hello and uh, i'm ben greenfield along with darshan shaw of next health signing out have an amazing week thanks everybody Hey, so just a quick thing before we wrap up today's episode. Uh, Darshan, let me know after this fascinating podcast we recorded, as we both became younger, that Next Health is actually franchising internationally and already has 30 locations signed up internationally for franchising. And so if you are interested in Next Health from a business standpoint, go ahead and, and go to the show notes contact Darshan and uh, you'll be able to go to their website when you access the show notes and you can actually be operating a Next Health facility yourself, potentially if you're a physician or a clinician who's interested in getting involved with Next Health. So heads up and thanks for listening. Want free access to comprehensive show notes, my weekly roundup, cutting edge research and articles, my top recommendations for everything that you need to hack your life, and much more, visit bengreenfieldlife.com. In compliance with the FTC guidelines, please assume the following about links and posts on this site. Most of the links going to products 
are often affiliate links of which I receive a small commission from sales of certain items, but the price is the same for you, and sometimes I even get to share a unique and somewhat significant discount with you. In some cases, I might also be an investor in a company I mention. I'm the founder, for example, of Keon LLC, the makers of Keon branded supplements and products, which I talk about quite a bit. Regardless of the relationship, if I post or talk about an affiliate link to a product, it is indeed something I personally use, support, and with full authenticity and transparency, recommend in good conscience. I personally vet each and every product that I talk about. My first priority is providing valuable information and resources to you that help you positively optimize your mind, body, and spirit. And I'll only ever link to products or resources, affiliate or otherwise, that fit within this purpose. So there's your fancy legal disclaimer.